What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Bucks. And Frank's back by popular demand. Uh, everyone's happy about that. And we've spoken about different things about the draft, Frank. Uh, Frank, we haven't quite gone into uh, individual names, so we're going to do that a little bit today as we continue our build-up. Max him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. stuff over at ESPN and uh, alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, making a triumphant return, as I said, Frank Madden. Uh, of course, we thank you for making Lockdown Bucks your first listen of every day and nothing gets people excited like the off-season, Frank, whether it's players that they want to see on the Bucks, whether it's draft picks, which we haven't had a lot of uh, you know, we haven't had a lot of fun around draft time in recent years, but uh, the Bucks do have pick 24, which is getting people curious. Uh, people have heard my thoughts about particular positions uh, that the Bucks might like to draft. We're going to get into some names today, but just right off the top, uh, if you're the Bucks, how are you approaching this? Because they're in a weird situation. We've gone through the salary cap stuff. They don't have a lot of money to spend. Uh, and ideally, in a very difficult position at pick 24, you'd like a player that could potentially play, uh, which is a challenge. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think you, if you keep the pick, you are hoping that it might be somebody who can give you bench minutes this year, but more realistically, probably not, right? Probably a guy that I look at it as you're drafting a guy to hopefully become a rotation piece or like a real positive contributor, maybe by year two, right? And so um, I, I think... For better or worse, I, I mean, I'm I'm generally fairly conservative as far as like the team building stuff, but I think when you win a championship, kind of validates that that conservatism. <laughs> so I'm I'm certainly in the you know hashtag team run it back um, camp, and I think there are obviously questions that are going to have to be answered around you know Brooke Lopez certainly over the next year. We'll see kind of where he's at. Um, I think again. From what we saw uh, towards the end of the season when he came back, I still feel like, you know, your best chance is, is Brooke Lopez being your starting center. I think there's a good chance that Brooke Lopez plays, you know, less of a role perhaps this year than um, maybe a couple of years ago, um, especially in the playoffs, right? Maybe you have to be better at playing smaller and finding different ways and different lineup combinations. But, um, you know, I think for the most part, you're saying Giannis plus Chris plus Drew plus supporting cast and, We've talked about obviously my hope of bringing back both Pat Connaughton and Bobby Portis because you know what else <laughs> kind of what else are you going to do? Um, so I, I think for the most part, um, you know, you know kind of roughly what you have if you can bring back that core group. Again, mm, are they going to use the taxpayer mid level? Nah, I would probably only see that being used in like one slug if one of Bobby or Pat left. Um, I think there's a good chance just because of the financial ramifications. And we've talked about it. You talked about it with Justin again and Camille last night. Um, I imagine they may may 
go a little short. You say, oh, we're going to keep some flexibility, not use our full taxpayer <laughs> mid-level, given, you know, again, the multiplier is basically like 5x in terms of total total cost impact, um, you know, per, per dollar spent, given where they are in the luxury tax at that point. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I view that the pick this year, you know, a few years back, it was, well, we got bad contracts, right? The Tony Snell, you trade Tony Snell's bad contract because you need to clear room so you can sign Brooke Lopez and, you know, kind of bring back the core of the team after the first year of the Bud era. They're really not in that spot. I mean, they really don't have like bad contracts that you have to salary dump to try to create cap room. It's really not in a cap room, um, but really even to shed like luxury tax room. Um, you know, are you thrilled paying Grayson Allen $9 million a year? Maybe not thrilled, right? Um, I don't think he's <laughs> overpaid in the grand scheme of like the NBA, but for a team that, you know, puts a premium on guys that can play two ways and hit shots when it matters, obviously it was not a, not a great look for Grayson in the second round of the playoffs. By the way, he still shot like 39% from three in the playoffs because he was so damn good. Poor Al Chicago. <laughs> yeah, and and he had, I mean, a couple totally adequate games against the Celtics as well, yeah. although the last couple were really bad. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think... Again, my my sort of decision tree on that pick goes. I lean towards keeping it at this point, just again because at some point you're going to have to try to reload, um, and and none of us want to think about you know Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday tailing off and sort of declining. But I mean, it's going to happen, right? At some point. I mean, I think um, you know really relative to the last the previous season. I mean, neither of those guys really had like a big drop off. Chris relative to two years ago certainly wasn't as efficient this year but um but for the most part i mean most of the other metrics are pretty much where you know the last two years have been pretty pretty damn close so and drew a great regular season again this year playoffs maybe yeah, some question marks so um so i think the, the big question is you know is there some trade you know grayson plus george plus 24 that gets you some type of move need moveable needer moveable needer can like needle it. mover it's like the whole paints in the point um thing we used to talk about um i, I i'm i'm not sold at this point you know i i know i think i think you've seen some of my, kind of my list of like potential like targets right i mean just some names right that you might consider trading for which again some of these guys you may not need a first round pick for some of them you might but like you know royce o'neill josh hart contavious caldwell pope kelly Oubre, justin holiday Kenrich Williams, Kyle Kuzma, Harrison Barnes, Jay Crowder, Larry Nance, Cam Reddish. I say that through gritted teeth. Um, <laughs> definitely wouldn't give up a first round pick for Cam Reddish. PJ Washington. Again, are any of those guys, you know, I would guess most of those guys would probably help you next year more than a first round pick. But if you have to give up Grayson Allen and a first round pick, you know, is that a clear upgrade in the grand scheme of not just next year, but looking ahead the next few years? Pretty debatable. You know, all those guys have have some warts. Some of those guys are cheaper, like Kenrich Williams. Maybe it's George Hill plus a first round pick gets you Kenrich Williams as kind of like a combo forward defensive guy. So there's some, there's some options the Bucks have. I think there's some stuff that there's some trade potential there. I don't know that there are any that like just get me super excited, but um I mean, I think that's really what the Bucks are going to be weighing between now and the draft is, is there some trade move that that could really help? I also don't think the Bucks are, you know, burying Grayson Allen as much as probably the average fan. Yeah. Uh, on, and Bucks Twitter uh, member has. Um, and again, I think, I think with Grayson, it's a matter of, 
I don't think you can go into a season thinking that he's your starting guard, starting shooting guard in May and June. And if for no other reason than Bud didn't even think that before the playoffs, right? <laughs> and his entire playoffs was come as as basically, you know, came as a bench guy until obviously um, eventually with the Middleton injury, eventually he finds his way back in the starting five and obviously didn't work out very well. So um, so I think in all likelihood, probably they don't make a move like that. Um, I'm sure they will explore options and, you know, again, see what they can do. And they don't have obviously a lot of draft capital other than this year's first round pick, which again, the trade can't be, can't officially go through until, um, till after the draft till July 1st. Um, but, or actually, no, it could, could go back. It could go back. It depends on kind of the, the salaries involved, but, um, which Grace and Allen, probably not until July 1st, just because his contract extension doesn't kick in until then. But otherwise the trade of the pick itself on its own could be done, um, on draft night, but Either way, um, you know, it's been so long since I got excited about the draft, Kane. And so, (laughs) you know, part of this is also just me looking at, again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is like, oh, it's a great draft to be at 24 or something like that. Who knows, right? Um, You know, people try to prognosticate about the depth of the draft and those things. um, And then who knows, right? Um, Kind of shit happens and uh, stuff never sort of works out exactly how you want. So, that said, um, you know, I'd much rather think about college prospects and, and potential draft picks than uh, watch the NBA finals these days. So uh, I, I've been kind of doing you know, some research. I'm not I'm not going to I am now a draft expert. Um, I am always skeptical of people who claim spurts. I think it's human nature. You know, every year we kind of uh, become goldfish and forget all the players we like to ended up sucking and, you know, uh, only remember the guys that we like to end up becoming good. I think that's typically how us kind of, you know, draft fans. And I'm going to say, I'm going to put my lump myself in there as far as like, we are fans of the draft. We are not draft experts. Um, but I, I've, I've kind of gone through it and you had, you, you offered your thoughts a little bit last night on the, on the episode, you made a comment about not wanting to draft the center. I actually agree with that. And part of that's because of Brooke Lopez. I still think he's clearly going to be better than anybody you draft or add in free agency. Um, but also I just, I just don't look at centers. I mean, unless you're getting like some really like dynamic center, I just don't really look at center as a spot that I'm like prioritizing in the draft. Um, and again, maybe we're spoiled because the Bucks got Brooke Lopez for, you know, <laughs> less than the full biannual exception or whatever, what they got him for. Um, but I, I just don't put a premium on on using kind of sparse draft capital or even sparse taxpayer mid-level money on a backup center at this point. Um, and again, not to say that the that the Brook sort of position in question won't have to be addressed at some point, but um, but that's not really kind of where I'd focus. I, I my preference, and I'll throw this to you after I give you my kind of quick thoughts. But my kind of preference in terms of like the profile of type of player I like or I'm interested in. Um, I don't want big centers. I don't want really small guards (laughs) because again, I'm just thinking about the playoffs and, you know, again, we don't want to over index on any one series or any kind of one thing, but you know, we've seen the bucks go deep in the playoffs repeatedly over the last four years, the bucks of the bud era. And you know, what kind of players tend to be very playable and very valuable. It's, you know, guards and wings and sort of what I'd call combo forwards, guys who can, play up, maybe you can play next to Giannis as a, as a four man tie in a small ball lineup, hit threes, defend, um, 
those are the types of kind of player profiles that I find most interesting. So throw out the really tall guys, throw out the really short guys, um, and just find me kind of like tough, ideally athletic guys that have some modicum of skill, um, basketball IQ. And, you know, I think obviously, I think all of us would say we want guys that can shoot because of kind of the spacing question. Um, I think we also have to be realistic. Like, there's got to be some trade-offs when you're at number 24 <laughs> and you're fi- trying to find those other traits I just mentioned. Uh, so I think if history kind of, we look at like what projects well and what's sort of clearer to translate versus what is maybe a little hazier. Um, you know, shooting is one of those things that just often comes later with players, um, especially for, <coughs> excuse me, especially for guys who are kind of more on the athletic range and maybe didn't have to be kind of top tier shooters. Um, coming up or they have growth spurts, things like that. So um, I kind of look for guys who maybe have some kind of projectable shooting, meaning maybe they're good free throw shooters, but haven't shown that they can consistently hit threes at the college level or some of these guys, you know, playing in the G League last year or in Europe um, or Australia, I should also say. Thank you. Um, So I I don't get totally spooked by guys who who aren't necessarily like, you know, 40% three-point shooters and shooting off the dribble and high volume three-point shooting types like that. I, I'm, I'm actually, even though I want, I really want guys who can shoot. Um, I kind of look at that as a kind of thing that, that maybe you can kind of gamble on a little bit to be something that develops. And again, not everybody's going to be, you know, Kawhi Leonard or whatever, but, um, but I, again, I look more for kind of like the physical toolkit and some of the, again, you want to hear about intangibles, things like that, but, but I look more for kind of the physical tools and the raw materials and again, that might mean you have to wait three years rather than a year and a half or one year for the guy to be an impact player. But again, I think when you have a guy like Giannis at 27, I think, you know, you also need, you can't just be thinking short term. Again, that's the most valuable thing is the window now in the next couple of years with the talent you have. But I think with the draft, obviously you, you can't be thinking too short sighted. And so often if you try to just sort of think narrowly about that, you know, you don't pick the best player. Um, so let me put it back to you. I mean, other than hating big guys, um, are there other kind of like traits, characteristics, kind of profile type things that that you find interesting in prospects? Yeah, that's just my that's just me being a uh, a very average sized human. I've got I've got it. I hold a grudge against the big guys. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, I think uh, to, to your broader point, I, I think it's a good point. Maybe, uh, and we've seen the Bucks do it in the second round a little bit. Uh, over recent years where they've taken guys that have been, you know, four years in college, whatever it may be. Jordan Wara was a little bit older. Our old friend Sam Merrill was a little bit older. Uh, and obviously Malcolm Brogdon was as well. So they've done it a few times. So yeah, perhaps in the second round, there's more value of doing that. Uh, pick 24, historically, there's, there's actually been some decent pick 24s in the past, but it is more of a more of a crapshoot at that point. And I, I want to uh, get to your point, but our friends at Rock Auto are tapping me on the shoulder and they're saying, you got to get this ad read in before you throw back to Frank or we'll never get to do it. So uh, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning while well, the person behind the counter waits, uh, looks at their computer. They've only got one brand. It's it's honestly quite useless when you can just go to Rock Auto, jump on the online catalog. You can spend hours there. Once you're done with Locked On Bucks, just uh, fill in your night on, on the rockauto.com catalog and you have a great time. There's no doubt about it. You also save a lot of money, 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. Uh, go explore the easy-to-use website today. 
To find out the solution to your auto parts needs, go to rockauto.com. See all those parts you can get, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us? Box that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. And then, uh, uh, Frank, you haven't heard this for a while, so you wouldn't have heard about the Built Bar Caramel Brownie, but I got <laughs> to tell you. If you were feeling a little unwell, which I understand you were for the last week, then a Caramel Brownie from Built Bar would have had you fixed immediately. Because if uh, don't you just love a chewy chocolate brownie? What about a caramel brownie with a caramel swirled on top? So good. What if I told you that you can have all that chewy, chocolatey deliciousness plus 17 grams of protein? Uh, you wouldn't believe me, but you are in luck today uh, because caramel brownie bars are available at Built.com right now. And uh, you better hurry up because uh, they are a fan favorite and they're not going to last long at all. Forget about dessert. Just go for the Built Bar instead. Uh, that's my motto in life anyway. And all built bars are made with collagen protein, which the body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. There are a million reasons why you should try built bars, but for now, let's just say the caramel brownies will uh, rock your world. So hey, uh, go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, let's get back into the draft talk. Uh, and I mentioned this a couple of days ago on the pod, but the ultimate NBA mock draft starts on June 16th. And I can give you some insider info. Uh, Frank was asked about uh, this and and he threw it directly on me. So I will say whoever I picked in this draft, all complaints are directed my way. But with over 50 insiders, nothing equals the ultimate NBA mock draft. The Locked On NBA Big Board draft experts plus the Odyssey insiders. First pick is June 16th. Search Ultimate NBA Mock Draft and follow now so you don't miss a pick. Uh, by the way, just one other tidbit, Frank, as we get going. There's nothing I like more. I love basketball Twitter. Uh, I also like real estate Twitter. And when basketball and real estate Twitter come together, it's just it's beautiful stuff. And I saw a tweet today that said that Bobby Portis is looking for a house in Milwaukee. So <laughs> it's great, great news. Great news. Bobby Portis. Bobby Porter House. Anyway, it looks like he was looking for a house. So shout out to uh, to the mayor of Milwaukee. Hopefully he is uh, sticking around. Uh, so uh, what I did, and I know you've got some names specifically that you want to get into, and I don't know whether these guys uh, fit your list, Frank, but basically what I did is I went to the uh, my guy, Jonathan Cavoni. I went to his mock draft and I went to Sam Vizzini's mock draft. Uh, and then I just had one other wild card that I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. But uh, Gavoni, this came out literally 24 hours ago. And a lot of these guys I'm finding when I'm reading these draft experts, in some draft, they'll be like pick 16. And then you'll look at someone else's mock and they'll be pick 26. So I do. it does seem like there's a lot of variation in terms of where these guys could go, which is why if you at least give yourself a list of six names, you get a chance of being happy on draft night. But Gavoni had Nikola Jovic, which as I've said... I would be happy to do it and just pretend that he's going to be the next Jokic. He's 6'11". He can pass the ball a little bit. He can shoot the ball a little bit. Uh, Interesting that Gavoni had the comparisons uh, in terms of style of play. Uh, He had Danilo Gallinari and Nemanja Bialica as well, who we've just seen play in the NBA Finals. Did you have a look at this man at all, Frank? No. I heard he's not a good defender, so I I pass, hard pass. Maybe not a hard pass, um, but yes. The, by the way, the irony is uh, not only does his is his name only one <laughs> consonant away from Nikola Jokic, he also played for Jokic's old 
yeah team in in serbia mega mega basket i think it was mega lex when he was there that changes the yeah. thing on the sponsor but um but yeah no pressure and by the way the the thing i'm using if you search hoops hype uh consensus mock draft or aggregate mock draft they yes. have um they have kind of a, they they show the average ranking and then they show the range of the players so like jovic by example <laughs> he's currently his average ranking would put him at number 21 to the Denver Nuggets, of course. Um, <laughs> and his range is 17 to 33. So, you know, gives you an idea of, of That's right, yeah. kind of those where those goalposts are. Um, yeah. And and so, I mean, obviously I have not been, you know, I haven't been looking at really like kind of the, the top end of the draft that much. Um, if I, if I'm using the, um, the, the consensus mock draft, really my <laughs> research um started at number 16 with Tarizan, who's um kind of a probably a, i mean he's a foreman from from lsu he's he's ranked he's kind of in the 12 to 18 range so probably not going to be a guy that um that that the bucks would have a chance to to draft um but i think if i if i'm looking at sort of like the range from like you know let's say 16 to 35 in terms of guys that that are in that range on this sort of consensus mock draft um Guys I, that I find interesting in a good way, okay? So guys that I have at least some positive vibes toward. Um, I think Eason is a guy, um, really interesting, versatile kind of defensive profile, huge hands, athletic, great kind of grab-it-and-go type guy um, in transition. And it's kind of weird, like, the IQ, his assist number sucks, so you worry about his kind of basketball IQ, kind of the half court stuff. Um, but again, the productivity was like through the roof last year. Like he averaged like 16 and seven, but in 24 minutes a game, he didn't even start for LSU, but he put up just like these monster permanent numbers and he's super athletic. And the weirdest thing is like, he's not, a, it's like, he's a guy that you have questions about his shooting, but he shot 36% from three and 80% from the foul line. So it's like, huh. You know, those guys who like, you feel like, oh, they shouldn't be good shooters. And they're like, well, the ball goes in at a pretty good rate. Th that type of player intrigues me. And again, not a perfect player, but a guy that like, again, you know, is there an OG Ananobi side to his game? Maybe, right? I think that's sort of the the intrigue with him. Um, if I kind of keep going down the list, um, the next guy on the, the, the mock, the consensus is Usman Jang, um, who you, I think, would know way better than than me given that he played in the NBL, albeit for New Zealand. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about guys playing in the NBL, but playing playing with the what New Zealand breakers, I guess. He's 12 to 24. Um, if I recall correctly, he was terrible <laughs> statistically in the NBL. So I don't really know what to make of that. I think he's, a, again, sort of like a toolsy guy. Intriguing in theory. Um, I don't know. Th this is one of these guys where I would actually defer to you. Like, what what is the Usman Jang... Uh, intel uh at this point yeah so i was fortunate uh because the the funny thing about new zealand is this new zealand team hasn't been to new zealand for two years because of travel restrictions so they were based in melbourne so i saw these guys all the time uh usman jiang and also hugo basson and usman jiang is it, it, it's crazy if you even look at some of his draft reports from a couple years ago, he's listed at 6'6", but this guy is like genuinely 6'10", 6'11", and was playing like the three spot for New Zealand Breakers. And he started off horrifically. 
But this was a New Zealand team that was a rabble for most of the season. They had so many injuries. Every veteran on the team was hurt, basically. Uh, but by the end of the season, uh, he was really good. He had some really, really good games. He's he's super smooth. Uh, he's I wouldn't say he's like a, a crazy athlete, but he's, his shot looks pretty good. And he, he's got a nice floater. He can sort of, I don't know whether he'd be able to put the ball on the floor as a 6'11 guy in the NBA, but he was certainly doing it uh, in the NBL. And then defensively, the team was a mess. But by the end of the season, you could see that, okay, well, this guy can move. Uh, he is legitimately 6'10", 6'11", so he can defend multiple positions. So just purely from a size point of view, he, he looks like a guy that is what NBA teams would want. Uh, but there's definitely an aspect to him where I'm like, I could see that he's out of the league in two years. It, it could go one of either way. Uh, the guy that he – every time I spoke to him, I was like talking to him about the NBA, and it's not surprising he's French, but he always pointed to Nick Batum. And Nick Batum is obviously a bit shorter, uh, but he said he was the guy – I mean, he also said Kevin Durant. But Nick Batum was the guy that uh, he said that I've watched him my whole life and said that's the type of position I could play, that's the type of role I could have. Uh, because of the upside, it seems like he's starting to really move up the boards. And I – I didn't really consider him just because I don't think that he's going to last to 24 um, because of that, but it'll be interesting. Yeah. 12 to 24 is the range in the consensus mock. He's number 17. Kind of one of those guys where it's like, I'm it's like, you almost like hope somebody else picks him just so you don't have to make that call because <laughs> it's just like, you know, you draft a guy like that and it's like, if he sucks, you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. But we probably could have seen, yeah. yeah. seen that coming, but then maybe he doesn't, maybe he totally hits and he's this super dynamic two-way player you know again we'll see um kind of just going down the list ty ty washington guard from kentucky i have no opinion of ty ty washington you stop me if you have an opinion on any of these guys um marjan beauchamp uh g league ignite i, I find the g league ignite guys very interesting because you know they're all like high profile generally like you know prep type players who go to the g league they play in this kind of unique environment um i think I think it's going to be interesting to see now, like now that this is kind of like we're going to start getting like year over year, we're going to see kind of like how some of these guys and I mean, Jalen Green, obviously kind of the the, the highest profile guy that, that came through the Ignite system um, a year ago. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how these guys develop, like do they develop faster? Are they more ready for the NBA having played in the G League versus college, you know, getting kind of more of that professional type of experience? You know, Dyson Daniels is the highest rated guy from this year's class and i'm sure you have spent a lot of time i, I don't know have you talked to dyson daniels that he's projected number in the in the 10 spot right now have you talked to dyson daniels at this point yet i know you're kind of covering him yeah we had him in the he was back in australia for a couple of months and we had him in the studio at um at espn and again he's another guy that's just like shot up in the last like <clears throat> year or so and um again is projected i think out of, it's a shame it's a shame he played so well because early in the season i was like oh we could get an aussie on the box but i don't think so yeah yeah daniel's really interesting right? i mean he's this like big like playmaking guy like you know you don't exactly know what to do with them i think all of the g league and night guys so basically daniels bochamp and um jaden hardy kind of like you know have shooting questions um you know definitely not guys that were that were flawless but again it's like they're playing against real men it's kind of you know g league is just sort of a different environment i, I don't you know again like compare that to a guy playing like mid-major college basketball 
um, who's like an older player. And we'll get to Jalen Williams, who's a guy I like a lot. Like it's kind of hard to compare, right? Like Jalen Williams playing at Santa Clara as like a third year college player versus a guy going from basically high school to the G league and playing in this kind of weird thing against men. You know, that's where the, the challenge of, of scouting these guys really comes in. But I think Bochamp is interesting. I think he's like about six, six, seven foot wingspan, you know, very much like, okay, best case scenario. He's this sort of prototypical defensive wing type player. He's athletic, you know, makes explosive plays around the rim has some semblance of of a jump shot but again like it's not like doesn't go in that much now like you know again is he going to be a 25 to 30 percent shooter like his entire career possibly right but again maybe he's one of these guys that kind of figures it out right i mean i've mentioned og ananobi kind of a great example i mean i think ananobi was like a 50 some percent free throw shooter in college and like low 30s uh, in, in, from, from three point range over his two years at Indiana and then goes to Toronto and immediately is like a pretty good shooter right out of the, right out of the box. So it, it's just so hard to project kind of how some of these guys are going to develop. And some guys, it just happens very quickly. And some guys, it, it just never does. But Bochamp to me is interesting. Cause again, I think he kind of takes the boxes of sort of athletic toolsy, um, two way kind of potential. And again, if you want to gamble on some scoring upside on potential shooting upside, kind of maybe figuring out like he's, he's an interesting guy. He's projected 19 to 29. Um, and interestingly, 19 is his average ranking. So again, when they average it, it's kind of wonky stuff happens, but 